Well, hey everyone, my name is Vic and I'm very excited to be sharing uh, from the Bible again today. Uh, if you're a guest with us, uh, we are in the middle of a series uh, out of the two letters that Peter wrote to a bunch of churches. Peter was a, an apostle, he was one of the disciples of Jesus. Um, and so we are learning from those letters together. Um, and so if you have a Bible with you, you can turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. Um, otherwise, of course, the words will be up on the screen. So follow along with me if you can. 1 Peter chapter 2, we'll read verses 9 through 12. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct amongst the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. This is God's word. Won't you join me just very briefly as we pray together? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, we ask you now uh, very simply to help me as I speak um, and help uh, those who are listening today, Lord, to take these words into their hearts. Uh, we, we pray that the living and active word would produce life in and through us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if there's a title to today's sermon, it's this, Seeing the Believing. Seeing the believing. You know, statistically, and I can uh, agree with this experientially as well, um, I think that Canada is in, at the moment in a little bit of an evangelism famine. Uh, let me see if I can explain that. You know, one way to explain it is, is, is speaking about Alpha. Now, Alpha is an, uh, uh, like an 11 week experience. Uh, that we as a church run every now and then. And uh, it exists to invite people who are not believers, who are not Christians. They may be atheists or they may be from another faith uh, to come into a room, share a meal together, uh, uh, talk about sort of life, faith and meaning. And then we present it from a Christian perspective, but we also invite their perspective. And, and Alpha is designed to help people, uh, you know, put their ideas next to the gospel, next to Jesus. Uh, and we trust that, you know, the truth of Jesus uh, transforms their lives and, and change their minds ultimately. Um, and, uh, you know, Alpha runs all over the world. And, and we often hear stories through Alpha Canada of what God is doing in other places, in England and uh, in, in, in the Middle East, you know, uh, you know in, in South Africa and, you know, many, many other countries. I mean, it's, it's, it's run in like 20 odd countries, I'm pretty sure, um, all over the world. Um, but it's interesting that that's not always the same, that the stories you hear somewhere else, not always the, the, the Canadian story. Now, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, nobody comes to know Jesus here. Um, people come to know Jesus, but in a very different and sometimes feels like a bit of a slower uh, way, maybe a bit more work involved. Uh, it's just different here. You know, the Bible talks about the gospel being like seed that you sow uh, and, and, and it falls upon uh, the soil of someone's heart. And, so, and Jesus even used the description that sometimes the soil is really shallow. It doesn't take root. Sometimes it's really hard and, and, and you know, it doesn't even uh, go into the, the soil. And, and 
There's a sense that if you're preaching the gospel in Canada, sometimes it feels like, man, the soil here, uh, you know, it's not easy for the seed of the gospel to get in into the ground. Now, of course, I'm hopeful and I'm here and, and I'm, I'm not saying that is a, 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 the case everywhere. It's, it's been a little bit of my experience, my experience. And I've lived in another continent and another country for many years where I've preached the gospel to. And, 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 uh, and I can say from experience, it's a little different here. And I think it's precisely because of that. Maybe you could agree. Maybe you listen to that story and you go, yeah, I feel the same way. Um, and it's precisely because of that that we should pay attention to the words that Peter has given us. Uh, today. Uh, you know, Peter was a fisherman and Jesus used this guy's profession to uh, use his, his job as a metaphor for what he was going to turn Peter into. He, you know, he said to him, you, you, you caught fish with me. Now, Peter caught lots of fish with Jesus once. He knew that, look, if I want lots of fish, I need to do what Jesus tells me to do. And Jesus actually then said to him, no, 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 I want you to catch fishes, be a fisher of men. You kind of made him a promise saying you will catch people like you caught fish. And, and, and I've seen in the scriptures that prophecy, that promise uh, to Peter being fulfilled. Uh, he became one of the most fruitful evangelists. Now, if you're a guest with us, the word evangelist is just somebody who tells others about the Jesus, uh, who shares the good news, the gospel of Jesus. And he, he was very successful, uh, as we see in the, in the early church, uh, on the day of Pentecost. So that's when Jesus had ascended into heaven. There's about 120 of his followers. They were praying. They were obeying Jesus when he said, wait there, I'm going to send a helper. And that he was speaking of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit fell upon the 120 disciples, uh, um, they spoke in tongues and people came to this place. And Peter got up and he preached a very simple sermon. But 3,000 people in one go became Christians. They, they were converted. They, they started to follow Jesus. That's pretty successful. And then you see as you know, there was a church that was being formed uh, because of the preaching of the gospel. Peter was involved in the leadership there. It tells us in the book of Acts that the Lord added daily those who were being saved. And so it wasn't just 3,000 on one day, but every day they grew and they grew and people became Christians. And Peter was also so instrumental in opening the door for the gospel, the good news of Jesus, not just to be preached to his fellow countrymen, Jewish people, but to Gentiles like you and me, the, the rest of the world. I mean, in fact, he's writing this letter now to Gentiles. He was so instrumental that the, almost like the first uh, uh, converts, the Gentile converts, was through his preaching uh, that he had done. And so, you know, I think Peter is very qualified to help us in our evangelism famine uh, that we may find ourselves in. And I want to, uh, you know, take, you know, give you five points from these verses. Uh, this may be three main points with two sub points, but we'll make them five points. And I'm going to alliterate them. They'll all begin with a P. Hopefully it's helpful for you to remember. And the first one that we take from these verses is to peacock. <laughs> what do I mean by that? I mean to sort of live a, a good uh, life uh, or rather maybe a better life or a different life. Let me not even word, use the word better. A different life. Uh, in front of others. You know, remember that he addresses them at verse 11 here as uh, sojourners and exiles. Uh, the word sojourn is a word that we don't use a lot, but it means to be a temporary resident. In many ways, me as a South African living in Canada, uh, I'm still a temporary resident. I'm still a sojourner. I'm still technically in the eyes of the government here. I'm still just passing through. I'm trying to settle here, trust me. Um, but, but he's addressing these people who are living in their 
hometowns and their own countries as exiles and sojourners. He's saying, you now live in such a way that when people look at you, although you were born there, or grew up there, you seem to be not from there. You know, he's saying, live, live your conduct amongst the Gentiles should be different. And uh, I, I don't know, sometimes, you know, you meet a foreigner uh, or an immigrant and you can just tell, uh, maybe not in, in initially, but at little mannerisms, maybe the accent that they have or the, or the, the preferences they may have, you, you can sometimes say, hey, you're not from here, right? And there's a sense that when we peacock, <laughs> you know, uh, we, 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 we uh, display uh, that we are from another kingdom, that we have another king as Christians. Um, and, you know, he, Peter here is referring to something far more important and deeper than just having a different accent. Okay, he starts off here by addressing them also as soldiers, not just as sojourners, but as soldiers. You know, he says, um, abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Okay, what is he saying? He's saying sinful desires are actually your worst enemy and you should see yourself in a war in that sense, because these, these temptations can distract and derail us in our walk with Jesus if we allow them to get the upper hand in our lives. Um, and it sometimes happens. That's why we have a moment of confession, sometimes during our singing time, uh, where we realize, you know, every now and then we've, we succumb to that. Um, but we can find forgiveness at the foot of Jesus, at the foot of the cross, but we can also find uh, the resources to resist that temptation. Because if we don't, Actually, to those who are not Christians around us, uh, they will see no need for the message that we have. They might go, well, what difference would Jesus make in my life? If I look at your life, you, 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 you seem exactly the same. You live exactly the same way. And so, you know, by us uh, uh, resisting the passions of the flesh, uh, there is a sense that we um, are modeling uh, the effects of the gospel and the work of the Holy Spirit and, and God in our lives. Um, you know, someone once said, broken nets uh, catch no fish and compromising Christians would therefore see fewer converts. Um, so let's not be broken nets in, uh, in, in the, the job of being uh, fishermen. If we submit to Jesus, this is James chapter 4 verse 7 says, if you submit yourself to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. And so if we submit to Jesus, our lives will be different. Um, to the point that even if people persecute us, he says, you know, you know, if they take us on and, and accuse us of being evildoers, that actually our conduct will attract them to Jesus. They will, they will realize that, that, um, that, that we live differently and to the extent that they themselves may even become followers of Jesus. I love how he ends off these verses by saying they will glorify God too on the day of visitation, which is just Bible code for the end of the judgment day. Um, they too, because of our conduct, uh, would, would, would result in, in becoming followers of Jesus. Um, so we don't want to be the Christians in Gandhi's day. Mahatma Gandhi, you might be familiar uh, with him. Uh, he was very attracted to Jesus, but he has said many times uh, it was the, the, the followers of Jesus that put him off. And we don't want to be those ones, you know. Um, and so, you know, live a different life. Number one, that, that thing of peacocking. Number two is piercing. What do I mean by that? Well, piercing the world that we live in because we're not from it. We're exiles. We're sojourners. But he sent us into the world, back into the world to make a difference. Piercing that world. And it says he's taken us out of 
the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And he wants us to proclaim that good news. Uh, so he sends us as carriers of his light back into the darkness. So we pierce the darkness. We, we pierce the world that he's taken us out of with the good news. And so that's the thing. Good nets, like you and me, we don't want to be broken nets. Uh, we want to submit to Jesus, resist a temptation, uh, live holy lives, sinless lives, uh, to show and demonstrate the power of God at work in us. And um, and then th- these these uh, good nets are not supposed to be outside of the water. Just oh, look at this beautiful net, you know, on the shore. It's supposed to be taken and cast into the waters so that there could be fishing. Uh, and that's why in verse twelve he says you have should have honorable conduct among the Gentiles. In other words, live this different life. Live it out in the world. Put it on display. It's probably connected to peacocking anyway. But but go into the world with the change that you've experienced, the salvation you've experienced in Jesus. Take it into the world. Don't just be cocooned in your church community. And I mean, it can even be tougher right now, as we were told for many weeks to stay in our homes. Uh, You know, it can seem even harder to be this person, but we're still called and challenged to go out there and not to be cocooned in our church community not just to say well i work with people who aren't christians or i live next door to people who are not christians or you know i often walk past people who are not christians but actually to live out your jesus-centric life among them not just to say well you know there's i'm, I'm surrounded but actually there's there's this real disconnect there's we, i'm still separated from them uh, these people are not in your way Uh, of following Jesus but as a Jesus follower Jesus wants you to be in their way he wants you to 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 intersect with their lives and uh, and put his grace on display because people coming to know Jesus is always a process there's a process and often the first step in that process is another person seeing Jesus at work in someone's life and so be in the world put Jesus's uh, work in your life on display Jesus left heaven to reach us, and and as a result, he is uh, calling you and me to leave whatever comfortable uh, cocoon we hide in often, and he wants us to be in the world to be an ambassador for him so that he could reach others. So how do we do that? I'm pretty sure we'll spend some more time over the next few weeks, but just very quickly, uh, you know, I was listening to um, some of my friends in uh, in London who lead a church there um, about just being this kind of person out in the world, uh, uh, in the workplace where they find themselves living. Um, and, and one of the things they said is just uh, sharing tiny truths uh, about, you know, your faith in Jesus uh, along the way that would lead to you sharing bigger truths later on. Small things like, you know, when people say, uh, you know, what did you do this weekend? Or what did you do last night? Um, instead of just saying, ah, you know, not much. If you went to community group, you say, yeah, I was with a bunch of my friends from church uh, at, a, at, a, at a gathering. Or if you, uh, if you did attend church, you know, uh, you say, well, I, you know, I attended my, my church meeting. Um, and those tiny little truths actually m- means that they know that you are a person who, you know, has some maybe different priorities in, in your life. And you get your priorities from, from Jesus, obviously. And actually that maybe will turn into... Uh, or maybe will bring your faith into focus the next time when you say no to that extra beer that they're all going to have, but you're not going to have. Or uh, when they cut corners, maybe financially, and, and, and do something that is maybe uh, uh, to be frowned upon, uh, borderline illegal, and you say, I'm not going to do that. 
Uh, there's a sense that they're not all of a sudden are shocked by your decisions, but they've heard somehow that you live according to a different set of principles because you were faithful in those tiny moments where you could be honest about who you orient your life around uh, so that when the big things come, they're not a shock to them. Uh, you know, I, the, my friend told a story of, of, um, of an electrician that worked a little later because he wanted to do things really well, his job really well. And some of his work uh, friends said, why, why are you staying so late? I mean, we're going to close up this wall anyway. No one's going to see those cables. And he said, yeah, but my God's going to see that. And just a little example of, like that, 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 that. He's just saying, look, I, I know no one else will see, um, but, but I follow the king of the universe who's, who's, where nothing escapes his eyes. And, and I want to be faithful with what he's entrusted me to. You know, there's a little ways that we could uh, uh, be among people and put the grace of Jesus on display and his lordship in our lives. But, you know, it's connected to the third point then. The third P is to proclaim, to proclaim, not just to peacock, not just to pierce, but to proclaim the gospel. Uh, verse 9 says we should proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into light. And, you know, um, I've, I've, I've quoted this before, and this week I actually discovered that it was probably misattributed to uh, St. Francis of Assisi. You know, we've heard uh, people say, he said, preach the gospel and, if necessary, use words. And uh, my friend Phil Moore reckons this was misattributed to him somewhere around the 90s because it is kind of ridiculous, you know, to preach the gospel would require you to open your mouth. Um, and so, uh, uh, you know, we, we do agree with the principle that actions speak louder than words often. Um, but, but the reality is words that we use about Jesus are louder if our actions match up. Yes, actions speak louder than words. But words backed up by actions are even louder and more effective, right? They add weight to the words. So when we live this life, live differently, our values are differently, and, and we're vocal about them, actually it gives us an opportunity to share Jesus. You know, I'm going to paraphrase Romans chapter 10, verse 14 to 15, where it really says, look, faith, someone can't have faith unless they hear the word. And they can't hear unless they hear it from a person, you know, and a person uh, uh, is the one that would proclaim it. And this person needs to be sent. And we know this is the case for all Christians, is that we have the words of Jesus to us saying, go into all the world, making disciples of them, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded uh, 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 you. You know, this is, this is all of our mandates, is that we are sent. And if we are sent once, once with the gospel message that should be in our mouths uh, as we find ourselves among the people whom Jesus wants to save. And the danger uh, is that if we just live a good life among others, we just live a, um, you know, a good life is not the best word. It's the different life is what I mean, uh, because we make mistakes. But, but you know, that this different life, if we just think, if we just think it's all about that, they might think to be a Christian is to just be a goody two-shoes, is to say no to to getting drunk and to you know not go out and be wild and to uh, not be unfaithful uh, to your girlfriend or your spouse or um, you know it's like they might think that equals Christianity and and it's our job to say no 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 we don't live a certain way so that God may love and save us you you have to make that clear 
Otherwise, they might just think, okay, well, to be a Christian is to live like you and to not be a Christian is to live like me. No, to be a Christian is to put your faith in Jesus, the one who did the finished work for us. He paid the price that we could never pay. He lived the life we could never live. And as a result of taking that gift, we find ourselves transformed and changed by it because he also comes and lives inside of us by his spirit. You gotta, you gotta make these things clear. You know, uh, uh, otherwise they'll make assumptions um, that would misrepresent the good news. Uh, and so maybe you even here today uh, as, a, as a guest and you're exploring the claims and teachings of Jesus. And I want to make it very clear that, that to be a Christian is not to subscribe to uh, a way of living, like a, a, a moral code. Uh, absolutely, God is holy and he expects that of us. But we don't live like that so that he would save us. He saves us because we could never could not live like that. And he rescued us from that, that problem, that, that fact that sin would separate us from him. And he lived our life. And then he died the death in our place, the penalty for our broken lives. And it's because of that, that we stand as Christians and we choose and, and actually follow him now and respond to his leading in our lives, living differently. And when we mess up, we can admit it. And that's another that's another thing I, um, I want to share, you know, that, that actually living out the gospel in front of others um, should include acts of faith that, that involves things like admitting guilt. So when you do make a mess up, you don't cover it up. You actually, because you've experienced grace and forgiveness, and actually ultimately it's all about what God thinks about you, not others. You can admit your guilt when you've done something wrong. You can ask someone for forgiveness. Uh, you know, you, you don't take offense. Uh, you, you, you're meek. Uh, you show humility and, and weakness in your workplace and in your neighborhoods. Those are all things that you also do in faith. In, you do that as a follower of Jesus, obeying him in that moment. And so it's not just about you know, portraying this perfect life, but even showing that in your brokenness, God's grace is at work in your life. Uh, and you, you behave very differently to others around you. Uh, you know, my friend in London, he also talked about you know, his high-pressure job who um, uh, he was working for a startup and lots of stressful moments and, and admitted there was moments of real anxiety and worry. Everybody felt that way. But he, he would say to them, man, uh, I'm really taking strain, but um, I'm just going to go pray. I'm, I'm going to go before my father and, and ask him for help, you know, where others may run to the bottle, uh, to other substances or, or, to, to, or other distractions. You know, he was vocal that he felt as weak and as vulnerable as they did. But the way that he would deal with it was he would go to God and not to other things. And so that, these are just ways that we can, uh, uh, you know, both pierce the world, pierce the darkness that we're in and proclaim the gospel. Uh, and then, you know, the last two points are, are really sub points of, of the third one. Uh, and that is prayer and, the, I'll, and pull. I'll explain what that means. But prayer um, is also not only talking uh, to people about Jesus. Okay, but talking to Jesus about people. So praying is talking to God about people, not just talking to people about God, like I said in Proclaim. Um, and, and Peter here writes about Christians being royal priests. All right, so what do priests do? Priests pray. They speak to God on behalf of people. And so as royal priests, uh, this, this, this job of evangelism includes prayer for people. Uh, you know, in our home, we, we often pray before we eat, uh, just because we're grateful, you know, it's not a religious thing. We just like, 
We're so thankful that God provides for us. We're so thankful for the food. But so often, that's like the smallest bit of what we pray for. Sometimes for myself and my wife or my children even. We pray for the people in our neighborhoods, for our neighbors, for our friends. And, you know, we pray for them by name because we have, you know, inserted ourselves in and amongst their lives. We don't just pray vague prayers like, Lord, please bless, bless that uh, lady, you know, who mows her lawn so early on a Saturday morning. Like, you know, I don't know what her name is, but, you know, just pray for her or, you know, pray for that, uh, you know, other person who walks that funny dog uh, past our house every now and then. No, we, we have names uh, that we, we, we pray for them specifically because we met them, because we, we've taken this mandate of being amongst the, the, the people very seriously. So, yes, we, we bring uh, the world before God in prayer, you know, we, we talk to Jesus about people so that we can bring God's word before the world, uh, so that we bring Jesus and talk to, talk to people about Jesus. We bring the world uh, before God in prayer and we bring God's word before the world. We speak to Jesus about people and then we speak to people about Jesus. And then lastly, that last P is pool. So we don't only peacock, we don't only proclaim, we don't only pray, but we also pull. One, two, three, four. How did I, how did I get to, to five? One, two, three. What did I miss? Yeah, I missed Pierce. Oops. Uh, we, we also pull. What do I mean by that? Um, if we don't pull up these nets, you know, that aren't broken, but submitted to Jesus, uh, and we don't check, we may as well be on a cruise ship, you know, no fishing takes place on a cruise ship. It's just a pleasure, pleasure boat. And so if we're fishing, fishing with Jesus, then we throw the nets out. We're in the water, but we also eventually tug at it. Like, how, how, how are we doing? Um, and that takes courage. Uh, when last did you pull on a net in a sense, you know? Because if not, you're just cruising as a Christian. You're on a cruise ship. This is a, this is a fishing boat that you're in. And, uh, and, and when last did you ask someone? If they would like to know more about Jesus, ask them if they'd like to become a follower of Jesus, become a disciple of Jesus, put their faith in Jesus, receive the gift of grace and mercy that God is offering them uh, through what Christ has done on the cross. When last did you come out and ask someone straight for that? You know, and parents, again, this starts at home. This starts with our children, uh, uh, leading them to Jesus, asking them uh, if they want to accept what we've explained to them is on offer. And if we don't, if we expect, oh, well, you know, someone else will, you know, the youth leaders, the young life guys, they'll do it. Um, then actually that'll, that'll be our stance, our approach in uh, all of our life. You know, if we expect others to lead our kids to Jesus, we can expect others to lead our neighbors and our work colleagues and our families and our friends to Jesus. And let me just say this. I think there's a warning for us in this. If, if we think, oh, someone else will do it, someone else will do it. I don't have to do it. I think that may very well be the biggest barrier to evangelism in our day is that we think someone else will do it. Uh, and uh, I'm going to end the sermon over there. I trust these five Ps were helpful to you. Um, but I'm going to hand over to Mike. Mike's going to leave, leave us with uh, a moment of commission. And I think uh, this is a, uh, he's, he's doing a great job um, in, in, in aligning us uh, with what we've just learned here in 1 Peter. So over to Mike. Hey City Gates, Mike here, and I'm just going to kind of wrap things up here with a bit of a commission um, based on what we've been sharing over the last few weeks. You know, Peter in First Peter is doing 
a really terrific job of contrasting the Old Testament style of worship and what it meant to be a, a, say a, a follower of God in the Old Testament compared to what the New Covenant uh, has meant for us. And so uh, he does a wonderful job of emphasizing in the Old Testament, of course, was a literal temple and the New Testament, uh, we're now a spiritual temple or a spiritual house. And it's not singular, it's plural. We're all now uh, vessels of God. God dwells in us, not in buildings anymore. And that's really the first truth. And also we see this transition from the professional kind of priesthood, um, the rabbis, to a kingdom of priests, uh, the scriptures call us. And so now everyone who is a Christ follower is a priest. And Vic's done a really great job talking about that over the last few weeks. And as I thought about that, um, I thought there's a great opportunity here for us to have a look at. Uh, and I was reading through in my uh, regular devotion, 2 Corinthians. So I want to read a passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 15 and 16, and just give you a charge out of that. So if you want mind turning with me, or it'll be on the screen. Uh, we do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others, but our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged, so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence. And um, as I was looking at this, I, I do realize that Paul is, is kind of looking uh, as the gospel goes out to other people, it also gives them an opportunity to, to go into new, new areas. But I think it's also more than that, because what I'm seeing is when we understand that we are a kingdom of priests and when we understand that we are a spiritual house, um, we are now a priest in the world we live in. And Paul would never have an opportunity to preach into the context of some of, or Peter or Paul would never have the context of preaching into the context that some of those believers would have as they walked in their role as priests in the marketplace. And my charge to you is this, is are we still thinking somehow professional priesthood? It's up to Vic, it's up to Mike, or it's up to the other guys. No, that's not what this is about. As kingdom of, kingdoms of, uh, kingdom of priests, sorry, we go into our world as a priest, as a representative of God, we get to minister to God in our personal lives and then minister on behalf of God as we reconcile men back to God. So my charge to you is this. As you go out into your world, you are uniquely able to reach people that are unreachable by the professional clergy because you're in their lives. I know you know this. I want to remind you to do this. And, uh, and please take the time as we go into uh, this week to think about the world you live in, your workplace, your neighborhood, your social circles, however restricted and constricted they may be currently, you are a priest representing God to them. And I want you to go out this week with that in mind. Refresh yourself, remind yourself, and pray that God will open doors of opportunity for you to be a priest to people in your world. Have an amazing day. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.